Section 19 of Thrilling Adventures by Land and Sea by James O. Brayman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 19. The Panther's Den. The occupants of a few log cabins in the vicinity of the Bayou Manlat, a tributary of the noble Bay of Pensacola, situated in the western part of the then territory of Florida, had been for some weeks annoyed by the mysterious disappearance of the cattle and goats which constituted almost the only wealth of these rude countrymen and the belated herdsman was frequently startled by the terrible half-human cry of the dreaded panther and the next morning some one of the squatters would find himself minus a number of cloven feet about this time i happened into the settlement on a hunting excursion in company with another son of nimrod and learning the state of affairs resolved if possible to rid the clearing of its pest and bind new laurels to our brows the night before our arrival a heifer had been killed within a few rods of the cabin and the carcass dragged off toward the swamp some two miles distant leaving a broad trail to mark the destroyer's path this being pointed out to us ned and myself resolved to execute our enterprise without delay this was to beard the lion in his den having carefully charged our rifles and pistols and seen that our bowies were as keen as razors we set out on the trail which soon brought us to the edge of the bayou manlet swamp which covers a surface of some thousands of acres being a dense muddy hammock of tetty bay magnolia cane grapevines and so forth a perpetual twilight reigned beneath the dense foliage supported by the rank soil and our hearts beat a few more pulsations to the minute as we left the scorching glare of the noonday sun and plunged into the gloomy fastnesses of the bear and alligator to these latter gentlemen whose clumsy forms were sprawling through the mud on every side we gave no further heed other than to keep without the range of the deadly sweep of their powerful tails with which they bring their unsuspecting prey within reach of their saw-like jaws the bears we did not happen to meet or we should most assuredly have given them some of the balls designed for the panthers well we followed the trail half a mile into the swamp when on an elevated spot we suddenly encountered the half-devoured body of the unfortunate heifer apparently just deserted by the captors we cautiously advanced a few paces further over a pavement of bones clean scraped and meatless and entered an open space when a sight met my eyes which certainly made me wish myself safe at home or in fact anywhere else but where i was about twenty-five feet from us we saw instead of one an old she-panther and two cubs nearly grown while directly over them on the blasted and sloping trunk of an immense gum-tree crouched the old he one of all lashing his sides fiercely with his tail and snorting and spitting like an enraged cat an example which was imitated by the three below here was a dilemma on the particularly sharp horns of which we found ourselves most uncomfortably situated to retreat would induce an immediate attack the consequence of an advance would be ditto so we stood en tableau for a brief second our guns cocked and aimed ned drawing a bead on the dam while i did the same on the sire 
it seemed madness to fire we were not long uncertain as to our course for the old fellow suddenly bounded from the trunk upon me with a deafening roar i fired as he sprang and the report of my piece was re-echoed by that of ned's i sprang aside dropping my rifle and drawing my long and heavy knife it was well i did so for the mortally wounded beast alighted on the very spot i had left he turned and sprang upon me i avoided the blow of its powerful paw and grappling with him i rolled on the turf winding my right arm tight around his neck and hugging close to his body to avoid his teeth and claws while i dealt rapid thrusts with my knife i was very powerful but never was in a situation where i felt more sensibly the need of exerting all my muscle the contest was soon decided my knife passed through the brute's heart and panting from the dreadful close and breathless all the champion rose and it was full time that i should do so for ned having put a ball through the head of the dam was now manfully battling with her two cubs the poor fellow was sorely pressed streaming with blood from numberless scratches and almost in a state of nature for the sharp claws of the cubs had literally undressed him by piecemeal his savage assailants also bore upon their bloody hides numerous tokens of his prowess in wielding his bowie their system of attack seemed to be to spring suddenly upon him striking with their paws and as they did so in most instances simultaneously it was impossible for him to defend himself strong and active as he was and had no assistance been at hand they would undoubtedly have gained the victory it was a brave sight though to see the tall strong hunter meeting their attacks undauntedly standing with his left arm raised to defend his head and throat and darting his knife into their tough bodies as he threw them from him but to meet the next moment their renewed efforts for his destruction all this i caught at one glance as i rushed to his rescue ned shouted i mad and reckless with excitement take the one on your left and we threw ourselves upon them i met my antagonist in his onward leap and making a desperate blow at him my wrist struck his paw and the knife flew far from my hand there was nothing else for me but to seize him by the loose skin of the neck with both hands and hold on like grim death keeping him at arm's length while his paws beat a tattoo to a double quick time on my breast and body stripping my garments into ribbons in a most workmanlike manner and ornamenting my sensitive skin with a variety of lines and characters done in red a process which i did not care to prolong however beyond a period when i could soonest put a stop to the operation as i was debating how to attain so desirable an end the remembrance of the small rifle pistol in my belt and which till now in the hurry of the conflict i had forgotten suddenly flashed upon my mind and disengaging one hand i drew it forth cocked it with my thumb and the next moment the panther's brains were spattered in my face i turned to look for ned and found him trying to free himself from the dead body of the panther whose teeth were fastened in their death grip to the small remnant of his hunting coat which hung around his neck i separated the strip of cloth with my recovered knife and we sank panting to the ground while our hearts went up in thankfulness for deliverance from so imminent danger to life and limb 
after resting a while we washed the blood our blood from our bodies and decorated them with what was left somewhat after the fashion of the indian who wears only a breech clout we took the scalps of the four panthers and started on our homeward march our success was speedily known in the clearing and in the evening a barbecue was had in our honour to furnish which a relation of the unfortunate heifer met with a fate scarcely less terrible this exploit added not little to our reputation among the hunter folk adventure with elephants on the twenty seventh as day dawned says mr cumming i left my shooting hole and proceeded to inspect the spoor of my wounded rhinoceros after following it for some distance i came to an abrupt hillock and fancying that from the summit a good view might be obtained of the surrounding country i left my followers to seek the spoor while i ascended i did not raise my eyes from the ground until i had reached the highest pinnacle of rock i then looked east and to my inexpressible gratification beheld a troop of nine or ten elephants quietly browsing within a quarter of a mile of me i allowed myself only one glance at them and then rushed down to warn my followers to be silent a council of war was hastily held the result of which was my ordering isaac to ride hard to camp with instructions to return as quickly as possible accompanied by kleinboy and to bring me my dogs the large dutch rifle and a fresh horse i once more ascended the hillock to feast my eyes upon the enchanting sight before me and drawing out my spy-glass narrowly watched the motions of the elephants the herd consisted entirely of females several of which were followed by small calves presently on reconnoitring the surrounding country i discovered a second herd consisting of five bull elephants which were quietly feeding about a mile to the northward the cows were feeding toward a rocky ridge that stretched away from the base of the hillock on which i stood burning with impatience to commence the attack i resolved to try the stalking system with these and to hunt the troop of bulls with dogs and horses having thus decided i directed the guides to watch the elephants from the summit of the hillock and with a beating heart i approached them the ground and wind favoring me i soon gained the rocky ridge toward which they were feeding they were now within one hundred yards and i resolved to enjoy the pleasure of watching their movements for a little before i fired they continued to feed slowly toward me breaking the branches from the trees with their trunks and eating the leaves and tender shoots i soon selected the finest in the herd and kept my eye on her in particular at length two of the troop had walked slowly past at about sixty yards and the one which i had selected was feeding with two others on a thorny tree before me my hand was now as steady as the rock on which it rested so taking a deliberate aim i let fly at her head a little behind the eye she got it hard and sharp just where i aimed but it did not seem to affect her much uttering a loud cry she wheeled about when i gave her the second ball close behind the shoulder all the elephants uttered a strange rumbling noise and made off in a line to the northward at a brisk ambling pace their huge fan-like ears flapping in the ratio of their speed i did not wait to load but ran back to the hillock to obtain a view on gaining its summit the guides pointed out the elephants 
they were standing in a grove of shady trees but the wounded one was some distance behind with another elephant doubtless its particular friend who was endeavouring to assist it these elephants had probably never before heard the report of a gun and having neither seen nor smelt me they were unaware of the presence of man and did not seem inclined to go any further presently my men hove in sight bringing the dogs and when these came up i waited some time before commencing the attack that the dogs and horses might recover their wind we then rode slowly toward the elephants and had advanced within two hundred yards of them when the ground being open they observed us and made off in an easterly direction but the wounded one immediately dropped astern and the next moment was surrounded by the dogs which barking angrily seemed to engross all her attention having placed myself between her and the retreating troop i dismounted to fire within forty yards of her in open ground colesberg was extremely afraid of the elephants and gave me much trouble jerking my arm when i tried to fire at length i let fly but on endeavouring to regain my saddle colesberg declined to allow me to mount and when i tried to lead him and run for it he only backed toward the wounded elephant at this moment i heard another elephant close behind and looking about i beheld the friend with uplifted trunk charging down upon me at top speed shrilly trumpeting and following an old black pointer named schwart that was perfectly deaf and trotted along before the enraged elephant quite unaware of what was behind him i felt certain that she would have either me or my horse i however determined not to relinquish my steed but to hold on by the bridle my men who of course kept at a safe distance stood aghast with their mouths open and for a few seconds my position was certainly not an enviable one fortunately however the dogs took off the attention of the elephants and just as they were upon me i managed to spring into the saddle where i was safe as i turned my back to mount the elephants were so very near that i really expected to feel one of their trunks lay hold of me i rode up to kleinboy for my double-barreled two-grooved rifle he and isaac were pale and almost speechless with fright returning to the charge i was soon once more alongside and firing from the saddle i sent another brace of bullets into the wounded elephant colesberg was extremely unsteady and destroyed the correctness of my aim the friend now seemed resolved to do some mischief and charged me furiously pursuing me to a distance of several hundred yards i therefore deemed it proper to give her a gentle hint to act less officiously and accordingly having loaded i approached within thirty yards and gave it her sharp right and left behind the shoulder upon which she at once made off with drooping trunk evidently with a mortal wound i never recur to this day's elephant shooting without regretting my folly in contenting myself with securing only one elephant the first was now dying and could not leave the ground and the second was also mortally wounded and i had only to follow and finish her but i foolishly allowed her to escape while i amused myself with the first which kept walking backward and standing by every tree she passed two more shots finished her 
on receiving them she tossed her trunk up and down two or three times and falling on her broadside against a thorny tree which yielded like grass before her enormous weight she uttered a deep hoarse cry and expired this was a very handsome old cow elephant and was decidedly the best in the troop she was in excellent condition and carried a pair of long and perfect tusks i was in high spirits at my success and felt so perfectly satisfied with having killed one that although it was still early in the day and my horses were fresh i allowed the troop of five bulls to remain unmolested foolishly trusting to fall in with them next day the shark sentinel with my companion one beautiful afternoon rambling over the rocky cliffs at the back of the island new providence west indies we came to a spot where the stillness and the clear transparency of the water invited us to bathe it was not deep as we stood above on the promontory we could see the bottom in every part under the headland which formed the opposite side of the cove there was a cavern to which as the shore was steep there was no access but by swimming and we resolved to explore it we soon reached its mouth and were enchanted with its romantic grandeur and wild beauty it extended we found a long way back and had several natural baths into all of which we successively threw ourselves each as they receded further from the mouth of the cavern being colder than the last the tide it was evident had free ingress and renewed the water every twelve hours here we thoughtlessly amused ourselves for some time at length the declining sun warned us that it was time to take our departure from the cave when at no great distance from us we saw the back or dorsal fin of a monstrous shark above the surface of the water and his whole length visible beneath it we looked at him and at each other in dismay hoping that he would soon take his departure and go in search of other prey but the rogue swam to and fro just like a frigate blockading an enemy's port the sentinel paraded before us about ten or fifteen yards in front of the cave tack and tack waiting only to serve one if not both of us as we should have served a shrimp or an oyster we had no intention however in this as in other instances of throwing ourselves on the mercy of the court in vain did we look for relief from other quarters the promontory above us was inaccessible the tide was rising and the sun touching the clear blue edge of the horizon i being the leader pretended to a little knowledge in ichthyology and told my companion that fish could hear as well as see and that therefore the less we said the better and the sooner we retreated out of his sight the sooner he would take himself off this was our only chance and that a poor one for the flow of the water would soon have enabled him to enter the cave and help himself as he seemed perfectly acquainted with the locale and knew that we had no mode of retreat but by the way we came we drew back out of sight and i don't know when i ever passed a more unpleasant quarter of an hour a suit in chancery or even a spring lounge at nougat would have been almost a luxury to what i felt when the shades of night began to darken the mouth of our cave and this infernal monster continued to parade like a water bailiff before its door 
at last not seeing the shark's fin above the water i made a sign to charles that cost what it might we must swim for it for we had notice to quit by the tide and if we did not depart should soon have an execution in the house we had been careful not to utter a word and silently pressing each other by the hand we slipped into the water and recommending ourselves to providence struck out manfully i must own i never felt more assured of destruction not even when i once swam through the blood of a poor sailor while the sharks were eating him for the sharks then had something to occupy them but this one had nothing else to do but to look after us we had the benefit of his undivided attention my sensations were indescribably horrible i may occasionally write or talk of the circumstance with levity but whenever i recall it to mind i tremble at the bare recollection of the dreadful fate that seemed inevitable my companion was not so expert a swimmer as i was so that i distanced him many feet when i heard him utter a faint cry i turned round convinced that the shark had seized him but it was not so my having left him so far behind had increased his terror and induced him to draw my attention i returned to him held him up and encouraged him without this he would certainly have sunk he revived with my help and we reached the sandy beach in safety having eluded our enemy who when he neither saw nor heard us had as i concluded he would quitted the spot once more on terra firma we lay gasping for some minutes before we spoke what my companion's thoughts were i do not know mine were replete with gratitude to god and renewed vows of amendment and i have every reason to think that although charles had not so much room for reform as myself that his feelings were perfectly in unison with my own we never repeated this amusement though we frequently talked of our escape and laughed at our terrors yet on these occasions our conversation always took a serious turn and upon the whole i am convinced that this adventure did us both a vast deal of good hunting the tiger a gentleman in the civil service of the british east india company relates the following when a tiger springs on an elephant the latter is generally able to shake him off under his feet and then woe be to him the elephant either kneels on him and crutches him at once or gives him a kick which breaks half his ribs and sends him flying perhaps twenty paces the elephants however are often dreadfully torn and a large old tiger clings too fast to be thus dealt with in this case it often happens that the elephant himself falls from pain or from the hope of rolling on his enemy and the people on his back are in very considerable danger both from friends and foes the scratch of a tiger is sometimes venomous as that of a cat is said to be but this does not often happen and in general persons wounded by his teeth or claws if not killed outright recover easily enough i was at jaffna at the northern extremity of the island of ceylon in the beginning of the year eighteen nineteen when one morning my servant called me an hour or two before my usual time with master master people sent for master's dogs tiger in the town 
now my dogs chanced to be some very degenerate specimens of a fine species called the polygar dog which i should designate as a sort of wiry-haired greyhound without scent i kept them to hunt jackals but tigers are very different things by the way there are no real tigers in ceylon but leopards and panthers are always called so and by ourselves as well as by the natives this turned out to be a panther my gun chanced not to be put together and while my servant was doing it the collector and two medical men who had recently arrived came to my door the former armed with a fowling piece and the latter with remarkably blunt hog spears they insisted upon setting off without waiting for my gun a proceeding not much to my taste the tiger i must continue to call him so had taken refuge in a hut the roof of which as those of ceylon huts in general spread to the ground like an umbrella the only aperture into it was a small door about four feet high the collector wanted to get the tiger out at once i begged to wait for my gun but no the fowling piece loaded with ball of course and the two hog spears were quite enough i got a hedge stake and awaited my fate from very shame at this moment to my great delight there arrived from the fort an english officer two artillerymen and a malay captain and a pretty figure we should have cut without them as the event will show i was now quite ready to attack and my gun came a minute afterward the whole scene which follows took place within an enclosure about twenty feet square formed on three sides by a strong fence of palmyra leaves and on the fourth by the hut at the door of this the two artillerymen planted themselves and the malay captain got on the top to frighten the tiger out by worrying it an easy operation as the huts there are covered with coconut leaves one of the artillerymen wanted to go in to the tiger but we would not suffer it at last the beast sprang this man received him on his bayonet which he thrust apparently down his throat firing his piece at the same moment the bayonet broke off short leaving less than three inches on the musket the rest remained in the animal but was invisible to us the shot probably went through his cheek for it certainly did not seriously injure him as he instantly rose upon his legs with a loud roar and placed his paws upon the soldier's breast at this moment the animal appeared to me to about reach the centre of the man's face but i had scarcely time to observe this when the tiger stooping his head seized the soldier's arm in his mouth turned him half round staggering threw him over on his back and fell upon him our dread now was that if we fired upon the tiger we might kill the man for a moment there was a pause when his comrade attacked the beast exactly in the same manner as the gallant fellow himself had done he struck his bayonet into his head the tiger rose at him he fired and this time the ball took effect and in the head the animal staggered backward and we all poured in our fire he still kicked and writhed when the gentleman with the hog spears advanced and fixed him while the natives finished him by beating him on the head with hedge stakes the brave artilleryman was after all but slightly hurt he claimed the skin which was very cheerfully given to him 
there was however a cry among the natives that the head should be cut off it was and in so doing the knife came directly across the bayonet the animal measured scarcely less than four feet from the root of the tail to the muzzle there was no tradition of a tiger having been in jaffna before indeed this one must have either come a distance of almost twenty miles or have swam across an arm of the sea nearly two in breadth for jaffna stands on a peninsula on which there is no jungle of any magnitude End of section nineteen